We hope you'll enjoy this episode of Women Worth Knowing. Make sure you rate us on your podcast app, subscribe, and share it with a friend. This is Cheryl Broderson, and I'm with Jasmine Allnut. Yes. Uh, we've been kind of taking a Civil War theme yes. and uh, talking about women who became uh, well-known mm-hmm. during the Civil War. And this morning, I want to talk about, or this afternoon, whenever you're listening to it, <laughs> Amanda Berry Smith. And she was a, a Black woman. Mm-hmm. She was born in Maryland in January 23rd, 1837, and mm-hmm. she was a slave. So she was born into slavery. Mm. Her mother was a slavery, but her father, Samuel, had already bought his freedom. And Mm. so she's like the oldest girl of the Berry family. And wouldn't the, if you, uh, if the man was free, but the woman was a slave, all the kids are slaves, right? All the kids are slaves. So they just have to stay slaves. But her mother, uh, whose name was Miriam, or she went by Mary, I'll probably call her Mary for the rest of this time. But Mary loved Jesus. Both Mm. Samuel and Mary were precious Christians, and Mary's mother was a freed slave. So in the North, what they would do is they would pretty much uh, free their slaves after a certain age. Mm. And I think that was even a a law that came into existence, that you had Mm -hmm, to free them mm -hmm. at a certain age. But uh, Mary was not free, and she Mm. was an incredible seamstress. So she was well-loved by the family that she uh, was serving because of her skills, her sewing skills. I mean, I, she was highly intelligent and hmm. she could just do anything. And this family loved her and they were actually good to her and they were good to the wow. children. But when you say good, it means they only yeah. beat them every once in a while. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was still not, oh, it was not, it was not, you know, fully humane. Right. Yeah. Exactly. That was the word I was looking for. It was not good. But Mary still loved and she prayed for this family and mm. prayed for this family. And she prayed for their salvation. Wow. And Samuel was earning money. He worked for these different farms and he was a hard worker and so good. So he's saving money, saving money. And one of his um uh, one of his old masters loved him so much, he, he gave him some property on his land, this man named John Lowe, so Samuel could build a house for his family. Mm. And he would uh, do odd jobs, and he made brooms and other things on the side. And so he was saving money. And he tried to buy Mary and his five children. Wow. But that family said, no, absolutely not. They're, she's too mm. um, valuable, valuable yeah. for us, so we won't sell her. So... Um, Mary and her grandmother begin to pray, and they just prayed, and especially this grandmother. She wouldn't stop praying. Well, the master died, and then all the slaves and everything were kind of under this, uh, the mistress. Her name was uh, Celie, and Celie was precious, and she and Mary had almost grown up together, and she was really, really close to Mm -hmm. Celie, had been kind of a surrogate mother to Celie, um, although she wasn't that much older than Celie. And so she would share Jesus with Celie, and Celie would just kind of laugh and, Mm -hmm. you know, oh, Mary. But one day, um, Celie and her friends decided to go to a tent evangelism meeting, Hmm. which was held by the Methodists. And the Methodists Methodists. were known as hallelujah people. Yes. (laughs) So she went, and they went there to mock. They were Presbyterians. They were going to (laughs) mock this meeting. And what happened is once she was there, Celie was compelled by the Holy Spirit. And she wanted to receive the Lord, and her wow. friends tried to hold her back, Re- Whoa. but she couldn't 
hold herself back and she went forward mm. and was prayed for, received Jesus. And the next thing um, Amanda says is that she was a shouting hallelujah. <laughs> and she really, really um, got saved. And so she, her family was so upset about her salvation and how she mm. come into this relationship with Jesus Christ because it was just not dignified well, to them. Well, they were Anglican a lot in the South, and so Methodists were enthusiasts, yeah. right? I don't. But were this they is just the completely... North, and this is Presbyterian. So she oh, comes from right. a Presbyterian, oh, Presbyterian family, but they were, were still the considered North. enthusiastic. Yes, the Methodists were in Maryland. Oh yeah, Maryland. Kind of so anyway, yes, they were considered um, enthusiastic. So. Um, Anyway, because they were known as the enthusiasts back in mm -hmm. in uh, England. So anyway, so Celie um, is outlawed from church. She's not allowed to go to a Methodist church. She's not allowed to fellowship with any Christians, not allowed to go to any tent meetings. And they even began, the family tries to separate her from Mary because they believe that Mary is too much of a Christian influence on her. Hmm. But in the meantime, she starts sneaking off to have these conversations with Mary. And Mary just keeps praying for her, as does the grandmother. So Celie's family is trying to force her to go to this ball. And Celie doesn't want to go to this ball at all. And so she says, Mary, just pray for me. So Mary tells her mom and they start praying for Celie. Well, the day of the ball, Celie comes down with typhoid. Oh, gosh. And she doesn't, and she's bedridden. And she lingers between life and death for over a week. Hmm. And during that time, the family comes to her, and she kind of rallies. And she said, I want you to promise me one thing if I die. I want you to promise that you'll sell Mary and all the children to Samuel. I want you to give them up all to Samuel. So they promise her, hoping that she'll live and they don't have to do it. Right. And right after they made that promise, she died. She oh. just died. And Mary... And the children were all set free. Wow. And they were able to live full time with, with Samuel. <laughs> wow. Now, another interesting thing about Samuel Barry, Amanda's father, is he was very, very involved in the Underground Railroad. Mm. So a lot of the black slaves, he was part of it. They mm -hmm. would stop at that house. And he and Mary were so intelligent. They had all these inventive ways of saving slaves. And he liked to brag that not one of the slaves that he took in or escorted was ever lost to the bounty hunters. Love and it. They had bounty hunters that would follow Amanda, watch their house day and night, but oh, never, never, never were any of those. And they, he helped families, he helped couples and individuals, and they were all saved. And he was able, he would, he would work really hard, go to bed at night, then he'd wake up around two in the morning and start working uh, for the Underground Railroad till the oh. morning. He was just an amazing, amazing Christian man. Hmm. And so um, that's how Amanda grew up with yeah. a father and mother that uh, were Christians. Yeah, so dynamic. they ended up, the Berries had eight more children after they had their freedom. So a total of 13 <laughs> children. Oh but when Mary was still young, her mother died. So Mary was a teenager. And it's hard to know exactly what time. I read like a couple Wikipedia articles on her on the computer, and they were so wrong. <laughs> they were, they oh, were the dates? Yes. The, mm. the dates and um, ages and information was off. Was it kind of hard, though, because of in, under slavery, sometimes people didn't know when they were born? I think Sojourner That's Truth true. had that issue. So, That's true. Yeah, exactly. So hard to know. And, you know, they didn't really write it down. Yeah. So Amanda also, she only had three months of education. Her whole life. And both wow. times she went to two different schools, one when she was eight, one when she was 13. And both 
uh, times they were white schools. So she wasn't really getting the attention of the other children because it was segre- uh, it was integrated. But integration in those days yeah. was not necessarily <laughs> not the, same. the same. Right. <laughs> so anyway, she at one point, she wanted to go to school so badly. She and her brother, they would walk two and a half miles to this school. So it was five miles there and back. Mm. But one time she insisted on going when it was snowing and everything. And she got stuck in this blizzard and she almost died. Oh By the God. time she made it to the classroom and there were no other students, just the teacher, she was shivering and everything. And they had to heat her up and get her all warm. Oh, and you know, she had to go home. So her mother was literate and so was her father. They both read and um, could write and wow, did math. Remarkable. And they were like I said, highly intelligent. So her mother took over her homeschooling and her father would read the children the Bible every single Saturday and they all attended church uh, together. What kind of church? Were they in a Methodist one? They were in a Methodist church. Yes, Methodist was just like her her favorite thing. But Amanda was not yet a Christian. So after her mother died, Amanda attended, attended a church meeting. She was about 17 years old. And she knew she wanted to be like her mother. She just adored her mother and like her grandmother. And she heard this lovely young white girl preaching named Mary Blosser. Mm. And she's sitting at the very back of the tent. And, you know, she's really um, she's really compelled by the message. But she's going to just stay there because she's a black girl. Right. And she's going to sit towards the back. And she doesn't want to make a fuss or anything. Mm. When this white young preacher walks right up to her and says, Today, the Lord Jesus wants you saved, Amanda. Come with me. Or once you saved, didn't say her name, but took her by the hand and led her to the front and knelt and prayed with her. Oh, wow. And that's the day that Amanda gave her life um, to Jesus. Wow. And Amanda then, you know, was helping her father take care of the children. But then Amanda met this really kind man named Alvin C. Devine. And she married him in September of 1854. And so she was only 17 years old when she married. Um, And at that time after marrying him, she became so ill that it looked like she would die. And her father came to visit her and he said to her, Amanda, pray, just pray. Hmm. And so she began to pray and seek the Lord. And because there was nothing more that could be done for her, they were sure she was going to die. But she had this vision and she saw herself speaking on a platform to these crowds of people, telling them about God. And she heard a voice saying, go back, go back, go back three times. And when she awoke, she was healed. Wow. And so she felt like the Lord was calling her. So she decided to be good. She was going to be so good for God. And she started praying that God would sanctify her, make her good. And she hated her failure. And she'd fall under a lot of condemnation. At the same time, she realized that Alvin, um, he was very kind when he wasn't drunk. But he was an alcoholic. And he would drink and he would get abusive verbally and physically. Mm. And during this time, she had two children. She had a little girl named Maisie. And she had a little boy who died in infancy. Mm. And so her husband joined the Union Army as, of course, part of the Union um, infantry. And he was killed in battle during the Civil War. Mm. Now, after that, she met a man named James Smith. And he wanted to be a preacher. At least that's what he told her. I was, want to be a preacher. Was he a former slave or was he just free? It yeah, didn't say. Okay. <laughs> it was in the autobiography, but it okay. didn't say. But he wanted to be a preacher. Um, he actually, uh, at that point, he worked uh, He worked for liveries. He was super good at taking care of people's horses. Mm. So he was hired by these okay. estates because he was known as the best 
horse trainer and best person to take care of your horses. So he was kind of in demand, Mm. but he told her he wanted to be a preacher. Hmm. And after they got married, she realized it was a ruse. And James told her that he had no intention of ever being married. He had been married. I mean, sorry, intention of being a preacher. He had been married before and he had children from his first marriage, but he did not. Uh, want to be a pastor. And so she said, why did you say that to me? He said, because I wanted to marry you so bad. And I knew oh, that's gosh. what it would take. So they moved to New York and Amanda had to take all sorts of odd jobs. Um, she was cooking, she was cleaning, she was a laundress, and she had to do everything to pay the bills. Meantime, her husband, even though he was considered the best horse mm. you know, trainer and, and right, person, right. Um, he he could not make uh, a white person would be paid like uh, $40 a week for that job because it was that important. He was paid 15. So no matter what, they couldn't get the same wages. Um, At one point, Mm -hmm. Amanda gets this job and they pay her really well. But she notices that the women wear like a lot of makeup and kind of are weirdly dressed and come in at all hours and they hire as a cook and they're super nice to her. And she realizes she's working in a brothel and she's like, (laughs) absolutely no way. I am not doing this. So anyway, (laughs) while she's in New York, she begins to attend various um, Methodist churches, but she actually um, attended one spirit-filled Presbyterian church. And she just kind of would go where she felt like the Lord was Um, telling her to go. And she'd always, in her book, in her autobiography, she has these conversations with the devil. Like the devil says, don't you go there. They're going to be so mean to you. They don't want a black girl. And she's like, Lord, what am I supposed to do? Do I listen to this voice or don't I listen to this voice? She just always, she's very aware of the spiritual warfare in her life. It was was really interesting. Anyway, during this time, she felt like she got what she called the blessing because she kept just giving as much of her life to the Lord as possible. Mm. And she wanted to be fully, fully sanctified and didn't believe she was there. She'd always find these unsurrendered places to, uh, um, that hadn't been surrendered to the Lord. So right. um, she got on her knees and she just sought to surrender everything. And during that time, there was a movement called the Holiness Movement. Oh, yes. And some say it was like the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Others say it was, you know, And just a deeper walk with the Lord, just committing Mm -hmm. everything. And then there were others who actually thought they were completely made holy and could not sin after that. Right. And Keswick was part of that. You guys might remember from previous She's going to go to Keswick. And that's why. (laughs) Yes, you're almost there. That's right. And so anyway, when she was only 29, her husband died of stomach cancer. And it was in during this time that she felt the Lord calling her into full-time service. Mm. Um, she had also also um, had four boys, four more boys, three more boys, I'm sorry, and they had all died in infancy. Oh, like They had been born, they had lived, but they had died. Wow. There were so many germs in those times. Oh, and, yeah. But Maisie at the same time was so smart. And Amanda was able to send her to a school in Baltimore. And that's what she wanted to do, put Maisie through school because she realized how smart she is. Mm. But now Amanda has to trust the Lord for all her financial means. So her autobiography is filled with one story after another of God's amazing provision to go to these camp meetings. Mm. Now, she was a beautiful singer and she knew all the hymns by heart. You could name any hymn and she could sing it and she loved to sing, but she didn't want to vaunt herself, you know, like start singing. Look at me. Yeah. Yeah, She waited till people requested her, Mm. but she became a popular speaker at both white and black Christian 
camps. And at those camps, she often testified of her sanctifying experience when she gave God absolutely everything. She was well-loved and sought after, and she always dressed very simply, Hmm. very simply. She felt like that was part of, you know— you know, because in Not her community, attention. a lot of um, the former slaves wanted to dress very uh, beautifully oh, yeah. to show that they were free. Yes. But she chose to dress very simply and wear a Quaker bonnet. And Aww. she loved the Quakers, too. Oh, the Quakers are so great. <laughs> so uh, she um, went to Tennessee, and all her friends were saying, don't go to Tennessee. They'll be so mean to you. They'll be so prejudiced against you. Mm. And she, she, you know, Lord, is that true? And the devil was trying to keep her. But she also went to to um, Tennessee, and she preached, and she found prejudice in Tennessee, not so much because of the color of her skin, but because she was a woman who preached. Oh, yeah. So that was interesting. Okay. Man, so she be- things that Yes, were- she became very much a suffragette. Wow. But even after the in- emancipation of the Civil War, she still, as a black woman, could not sit down and eat in a restaurant in Washington, D.C. Hmm. That was, no black person was allowed in a restaurant. Until they started restoration, maybe, that, that whole process? No, no, wow. no years. Crazy. For years, wow. for years. I mean, like all hmm. through her lifetime, and she didn't die till um, 1915. Wow. So, I mean, this carried yeah, on. Yeah, But God provided for her, and she became so popular that she was often invited to the finest, the wealthiest homes that were Christian homes, and they would seat her in the place of honor. And she she would say to the Lord, thank you, Lord, because even though I'm rejected at these restaurants, Mm. I'm accepted and exalted by you. I mean, Mm. it was so sweet. She said this, thank God for real, practical, inright, outright, common Mm. sense. That is all people need on the color line. May the Lord give it to all quickly. Amen. Amen. She said, it's just common sense that we're all equal. Yes. Come on. So her voice was so beautiful. And as I said, she knew many songs by heart. She would intersperse these into her singing. Now, during this uh, time, a group of people, they loved her so much and they knew that she was kind of itinerant. Mm. And she never even knew where a meal was going to come from or if she was going to be paid. Yes, totally by faith. So this group of people, these white people in Philadelphia, they loved her so much that they made a collection and they bought her a house. And so they brought her to this house in Philadelphia and they said, you know, Amanda, this is for you. We want you you to feel at home. And she brought Maisie back and Maisie was going to school and she was living in this house. But she was also still speaking in different places. And one of the places she loved to speak is Ocean Grove. I don't know if you've ever been to Ocean Grove. It's in New, in New Jersey. It's considered it. the only Christian city in the United wow. States. And uh, they still have prohibition in Ocean really? Grove. Mm-hmm. And it's still got the original buildings for these camp meetings. And they've got these tents everywhere. And to get one of these tents, it also has like... um. It also has like a, it's like a, a little house, a tiny house, because mm. it's got like kind of a, a bedroom and bathroom in oh, the back okay. yeah, and yeah, then yeah. It, the part of its tent. And to get one of these, I mean, you have to be in line. It's like a waiting list and you have to know the family. Oh I mean, gosh. it is like amazing. That's so cool. It's such an interesting place to go, Ocean Grove. I love it. But um, she would stay with a woman um, who had a house on a lake in Ocean Grove and 
somebody started saying that she owned two houses and she owned the house in Ocean Grove where she stayed. So it became mm. a scandal. And she had to like go on the record oh, that she only owed the house in Philadelphia. Well, by this oh, time, boy. that house in Philadelphia was becoming kind of like a noose around her, her neck. Hmm. She didn't, you know, she didn't really want the house. She didn't really like the house. And so this man came to her and he said, you know, Amanda, you know, I was part of the people that bought the house for you. Would you take a loan out on it so we can kind of help these people out that put money in? Hmm. So she takes a loan. And then he comes to her again. Oh, that wasn't enough. Anyway, Uh-oh. he was cheating her, oh, no. cheating her um, because she was so kind. And so the next thing you know, she's got a mortgage of $40 a month, which was That's huge a huge amount in those days. Ugh. So at the same time, she's invited to go to England. And specifically to Keswick to speak. And she thought she would go for like three months. Mm -hmm. But all these things needed to come into place. This one woman said, you know, come with me. I'll take you everywhere. You'll be my companion. I want you to go. And she didn't feel at peace, but she felt she was supposed to go to England. Mm -hmm. So in the meantime, she has to arrange for Maisie to go to school. And this woman in New York says, I will pay for it. I'll do everything. You put Maisie in school. So she puts Maisie back in school in Baltimore. And this woman is underwriting Maisie for everything. Hmm. And then Maisie is so brilliant that all the teachers love her. She totally has favor with her. And How old is Maisie at this point? Is she a teenager or is she still younger? Uh, she's probably almost 20. Oh, oh, so oh close well, to she's at college now. Okay. Yes, this is a college. I'm okay, so gotcha. sorry. This is a college. All right. And Amanda wants her to um, be, a, uh, I can't remember what she wanted her to be, but anyway, her daughter um, decides to be a teacher. Hmm. So but she's still in school. So Amanda goes to England with her daughter um, at school. So Amanda goes um, on her own. Mm-hmm. Um, the Lord paid her fare and everything because there were two different couples and invited her to go. This a lady and then another couple. And she's like, she didn't feel at peace. So mm-hmm. she goes on her own with God providing um, the passage money. So she goes there and she doesn't know how to get to Keswick. And <laughs> she's at like this hotel in London. And she doesn't know. And so she goes to this train station and these women are like, are you Amanda Smith? What and she says, yes. And they said, we're on our way to Keswick. And she said, that's <laughs> where I'm supposed to go. So the Lord escorted her all the way to Keswick. Oh, and she was so popular at Keswick. But all of a sudden she's in Keswick. So Remember, she's only going to go for three months, and she goes in 1878, July of 1878. Mm. But all of these opportunities open up to her, and especially opportunities open up to speak in Ireland and Scotland. Mm. So she's going all over just speaking in these different places. At the same time, she gets word that there are people who want to buy her house in Philadelphia. And she's oh, like, hey, sell it. Great. And you just distribute the money. And I don't want to ever see that house again. So she's able to sell her house. And she just felt like the Lord took it off of her. And she was mm. so, so excited. She receives news that Maisie has left school and become a school teacher because she had enough education to become oh, wow. a school teacher. And she's married a man. Whoa. And she is so upset because she wanted Maisie to come to England. And, oh. and Maisie said, you know, no, I, I got married to this man. And she's like, no, you know, because she had had such bad marriages. Yeah. But yeah. she said when she finally met Maisie's husband, he was the most wonderful Christian man. Oh, he was a true sweet. Christian. Okay. And he was everything that she would have prayed for her daughter and more. Mm-hmm. And she just couldn't believe how God covered and mm-hmm. blessed. Um there are so many miracles um, 
that happened while she's in Ireland and why she's in Scotland. And it's wonderful to uh, read all of these in her autobiography, but she's so inundated with speaking engagements that she has to say no to a lot of them because she doesn't know what to do. But at one train station, she's there and she looks over and she sees a poster with her name and her picture on it, inviting people to come to hear a former slave girl give her testimony. And the meetings were packed, but it was interesting for her to see herself on a poster. Yeah, that would freak me out a little. So during this time, this couple asks her to go to the continent and um, tour with them. And so they go to Paris and Rome. And from there, she heads to India. Now, she's thinking she's just going to be in India like a month. She ends up staying there for three years and adopting a little girl um, in India named Francis, who becomes kind of a companion to her. Mm. And she ministers so much. And again, crowds are drawn to her in India. But she she confronts slave doctors. Uh, she goes all over India. Mm. And she doesn't care about any deprivation or any oh, of the conditions. Yeah. She just ministers. And everyone is so blessed by the way she ministers to people. And so after three years, she goes back to England. Now, remember, she was only going to be gone for three yeah, months. Yeah, three months originally. <laughs> so now she's already been gone for nine years, right? Oh, my gosh. So she uh, returns to—sorry, uh, 12 years. She's been gone for 12 years. So she returns to England. Sorry, she's been gone for three years. She returns to England, and she's invited to Africa. Well, this is interesting because when she still lived in the States, she had a dream. That was it. She had a dream about going to Africa. Hmm. And so she was training Maisie to be a missionary to Africa. Oh, gosh. And she wanted Maisie to go to Africa because she's like, Lord, I don't like snakes. Yeah. So you must mean somebody (laughs) somebody else else. (laughs) to go. And she'd read these articles in Africa, and she's like, oh, I don't know. But when she goes back to England, she's invited to Africa, and she just knows it's the Lord. Yep. And so she sells to Africa, and she goes to Liberia. And there she stays for eight years. And God gives her mm. the most fruitful ministry, just like in India. Sweet. So her experiences in India and Africa take over three 100 pages in her autobiography. Oh, my goodness. So it's just journaling. And it was just like, you know, this happened. And I met this witch doctor. And I mean, incredible things like uh, the this huge flood comes through and the Lord directs her to lead all these people to where it's safe. Wow. And, you know, she doesn't even, she's not even local, right? But she (laughs) knows and God uses her. And she adopts um, a little boy named Bob. um, Cute. And um, just his story is so remarkable. And she taught Bob how to read and to write and to speak English. And then when she went back to England, um, she left him in England to finish his education. Mm. And he was very intelligent. So after 12 wow. years of ministry abroad, she returned to the United States in 1891 and she moved to Chicago. And she began to campaign for funds to build an orphanage for black children. Hmm, And in 1895, she built the first ever of its kind black orphanage where she could educate, feed, house, and train them in the ways of the Lord. Now, an inspector said it shouldn't have passed inspection, but because (laughs) it was such a novelty and nobody was doing what she did, and because it had so much love that he passed it. 
That's so sweet. Because, you know, George Whitfield tried to do an orphanage in Georgia like 100 years earlier, but it was so hard. I mean, yeah, to get any support. That's so cool. Timing. The Lord's timing. So also she became at this time head of the National Temperance League. She was very into temperance and she was was against all alcohol, having seen the effects on her husbands and on other men. And then a a reason for temperance then, too, was so many men were beating their wives. Yes. And wives had no rights. Women had no rights. And so they felt like if they could get rid of alcohol, these men would change. And they did. I mean, Hmm. men won't do sober what they'll do drunk. Right. So um, she retired in 1912 and moved to Florida, where she Hmm. still supported and sought support for the orphanage in Chicago. And she died in 1915 at the age of 78 years old. So there's so much more to tell of her story. Oh, it sounds like it. Yes. (laughs) She was controversial for many factors. She was Mm. involved again in the holiness movement on her views on sanctification and the fact that she was a woman preacher. Regardless of this, she was used mightily by God and lived a sanctified life for God. And those who met and worked with her praised her for her humility, her kindness, her love, her godliness, Mm. and her faith. Man, and I just think going back to just even her parents, yes, like, and just their godliness and all the prayer that they sowed yes. in her life, yes, probably have and no idea the Lord would do this. miracles even as a child. I mean, Man. just the fact that all the um, slaves that her father set to yes. um, help to get to to freedom Canada to yeah. and just the protection. There's a story in her autobiography that's thrilling about these bounty hunters oh, that gosh. came in with their guns and searched the house, but the mother had. Hidden and wow, Samuel couldn't warn Mary that they were coming, so he just like Mary, we've got company. And Mary, he knew that would be enough because Mary was so intelligent, and they just worked together and had a great love story. Oh, but I just loved reading about Amanda Berry oh, Smith, yes. and I think she's definitely a woman that everyone should. Oh, know. absolutely! And you'll want to know more. Read the book. Yes, <laughs> we'll post which, that online. Which is fifty one dollars on Amazon. Oh my gosh, I couldn't find it for less, but you can get it right now for free on Kindle. I don't hey, know how long that's going to last. That's but good. Yes. There you go, folks. To read 593 pages on Kindle was not easy, but I oh, did it. Oh, my God. It was really, really good. So All this right. is Cheryl and Jasmine. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Jasmine Allnett. For more information on Cheryl, visit CherylBroderson.com or follow her on Instagram or Facebook. You can also follow Jasmine on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. If you think there is a woman worth knowing, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at wwk at cccm.com. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Make sure you've subscribed and don't forget to rate us on your podcast app and share it with friends. Thank you again for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Jasmine Allnutt.